0: From the last plane to the last bullet to the last minute to the last man we fight We fight We fight We fight We
1: fight, we fight! to the zone. Gonna Take it right into the zone.
0: Welcome aboard Aviator fans This is your Captain Speaking I'm Sean McDougall and you're listening to In the Cockpit, a podcast dedicated to your Los Angeles Aviators. Join us every week as we discuss what's happening on the field and spotlight some of your favorite players.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode seven of In the Cockpit. It is amazing how fast time flies, and we already have six quality episodes up, so if you haven't checked them out, go do that now. We have some really entertaining guests that have been on, heard a lot of cool stories, so make sure you check that out. I am Jacob bomber and I am pleased to be joined by my co-host, our captain, Number one on the field, Michael kioy kioy how's it going? It's going well, Bomber. How you doing? I'm good. Ready to ready to talk to our guest today. Pretty excited.
2: Yeah, me too. So let's get into it. Our guest, his name is Colin Gall, number twenty seven, and some people refer to him as Night Lord. How's it going, Colin?
0: Good. What is up, guys? Happy to be on the pod. It's uh, crazy that, yeah, you guys have had six episodes already. It's been highly entertaining, so happy to be
2: here. Well, we appreciate that. And, yeah, like Jake said, we're really excited to have you on. And let's get into the first question. What is your athletic background leading into Ultimate?
0: Sure. So I... I played baseball uh, from a very young age, kindergarten all the way through like middle of high school. I never was good enough to play on any travel ball teams uh, and my high school team was highly competitive and so I actually never played on my high school team but the community leagues did go until about uh, 16 years old and so that was my main athletic background and then All throughout high school, I was in the marching band. And I say that because that's how I found Ultimate. Uh, A group of my friends would play pickup a couple times a week. And so basically, when my uh, illustrious baseball career ended, uh, my pickup (laughs) Ultimate career began. And so that's uh, how I found Ultimate.
2: That's pretty cool. And I am so happy that you've mentioned marching band. People can't see at home, but I. I pumped my fist in celebration. He fellow, was very
1: enthusiastic. A fellow <laughs>
2: musician, and I, I knew that we liked you for a reason. You are great <laughs> at Ultimate, and you also are a marching band enthusiast.
0: Yes, <laughs> both uh, the alto and tenor saxophone.
1: <laughs> hey, there you go. For the people who would scoff at the athleticism required in marching band, can... Colin, or both of you, kind of give a little, like, y- y'all need to respect it.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll give a, I'll give a little rundown. So, uh, Marching Man definitely gets a little bad rap, yeah, you know, from various, you know, movies and pop culture, just it seems like um, something that doesn't require a lot of skill, but there's a lot more than just playing the music, which in and of itself is a difficult thing to do, because... When you're marching you're memorizing so we have these you know 10 to 15 minute shows where you have to have an entire scores of music memorized Um, but while you're doing that you are marching around the field to different marks basically so every measure half measure grouping of measures whatever you have a different spot on the field that you also have to remember so not only are you memorizing and executing the music in tune and on time correctly you're also memorizing and executing the spots on the field where you have to be at certain times, um, while also keeping the correct form. You know, form is super important, especially when you're going to competitions and being judged very meticulously on everything I just mentioned, plus a ton more things. So, it's not exactly like dunking a basketball, but it also isn't just like playing Happy Birthday over and over again, right? There's a lot of mental work that goes into it.
1: So we don't want to hear any of you naysayers showing up and being <laughs> like, nah, marching band with a bunch of nerds. Like you try to carry around a friggin' tuba on this field and do all of that correctly. It's tough.
2: That could be our, our newest challenge. Instead of having tennis, Jake challenging <laughs> people at tennis or, or bocce ball or pool ping pong, the next is going to be marching band challenging Colin. <laughs> Dude, if you, as if long you want as i don't March. have to play
1: the instrument i would just i could do the walking around probably that would be challenging enough
2: with we the don't correct want anyone form near me playing an instrument
1: yeah exactly no thank you um uh, we've actually had a handful of people have a baseball background going into ultimate why do you think that translates so well
0: that's an interesting question um And my answer probably is going to surprise you. Uh, I mean, there's a mental aspect to baseball, but there's a mental aspect to all sports. Uh, But I've always said that the sports that most translate are basketball and football, in my mind. I think there's a lot of translation in uh, the defense in basketball, as well as like the spacing on the court for the offense. So if I was going to pick one or two sports that directly translate to Frisbee, baseball would not be in my top answer.
1: Yeah. makes sense just in terms of movement on the field and whatnot it'd be easy to just go with well you have to throw a baseball well <laughs> and that comes into play obviously throwing a disc but
0: yeah but a disc yeah, is so you know, unique cool. you know the disc is so unlike any other object that you throw uh baseballs, you very can very really,
1: few straight lines
0: you can manipulate baseballs too but you know not exactly like a frisbee yeah
1: so you have had the honor of playing on two of the most storied franchises in the history of Ultimate, the UC Santa Barbara Black Tide and the Santa Barbara slash LA slash SoCal Condors, um, and obviously a professional with the Aviators. What, like, do you have a list? Do you have, like, clear-cut moments? Like, what are some of the biggest highlights that you have had in your ultimate career with those teams or outside those teams
0: sure so uh the thing is that I jump quickly to mind are qualifying for nationals and then playing at nationals so i went to nationals once with black tide in 2010 uh and i went twice with condors once in 2011 and once in 2013 and it's pretty amazing the elation that you feel when that last point is scored and you know your team is going to nationals. And that like that feeling can't be replicated. And so those are the ones that easily jump out to me.
2: So what about um, – do you have any – and this is kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but do you have any <laughs> – Aviator highlights specifically and we'll talk more about what that means to you later but do you have any pro highlights
0: Sure, so I mean obviously you always remember the first game you play and so uh, My first season was 2019 Uh, We went down to San Diego to play the Growlers I think we lost like 1917 or something in a really close game um, Because all our games with them were close just because we know each other so well but moments, just like stepping on the field, uh, scoring first goal, first touch with the Frisbee, just everything. Um, in the previous episode, Jake, you mentioned playing in front of fans, which is a completely new experience. Mm-hmm. Historically, it's just like Frisbee players on the sidelines of a game if they don't have a game because of bye, right? Usually it's just the two teams that yeah. are there watching you play. And so playing in front of fans and like the first game in the AODL is special. Also, the first time uh, I traveled to San Jose to play the Spiders that season, I had a really good game, threw a few assists, got a few blocks, and that actually was the game of the week in 2019 where we blew them out of the water like by like nine points or something. And so that was like a, not actually a start to finish. I think we might have gone down like a break or two because it seems like the aviators' offense always gets broken their first point. It's just like how it is. <laughs> but that game was really special. Uh first time playing against San Jose being a big contributor on the D line at that point in a game where we ran away with it. It was great.
2: Yeah. Those are some really good memories. And I, I remember that game specifically. You did play it really well. Funny enough, I don't think I was actually on the field for that game. I think I just, I watched it on the stream. Um, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. And you've had not only experience playing on the field, but you've done a lot of coaching now. And can you tell people a little bit about your coaching experience? And we also would be interested in learning about the difference between your coaching and playing and your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh, I have coached Black Tide for the past four years, um, asterisk because of the pandemic, right? We didn't have a season and a half basically, but 2017 through this last year, I coached Tide, um, extremely enjoyed it. Uh, I always had like a draw to coaching, um, uh, my last year on Tide, I was one of three captains. Um, I also captained sundowners locally here in Santa Barbara, a few seasons. And so it seemed like a natural progression. Um, I really enjoyed the Strategy behind Ultimate. Um, the X's and O's, uh, kind of like the chess match between two teams and two coaches. And I really enjoy coaching. I mean, that's like the short and long of it. Uh, it's challenging in a different way, like you mentioned. Uh, being a player, you, as much as possible, try to be solely focused on your own game. I mean, it's hard to not like think about how your teammates are playing or how the team is playing, but mostly you control how you do only. That's what you're controlling. Where a coach, it's more and less control at the same time. More control because, you know, you organize the practices, you direct the team throughout the season, what they're gonna learn, what offense and defense they're gonna play at what times, and you prepare them all the way up until the pull goes up, right? And then from the start of the point to the end of the point uh, all you can do is scream your butt up on the sidelines. <laughs> and so it's <laughs> cool to have all that prep and then see how it works and then adjust accordingly, right? Like obviously you want to win. I'm an extremely competitive person. Um, I always have, have lose my voice at the end of a tournament when I'm coaching. Um, but it's cool to see the fruition of all the work that you put into it. And that's just like the, the scraping the tip of the iceberg.
2: For sure. And for those of you listening at home Colin has fit in really well in the aviators in terms of I think it's difficult to to join a team and have a lot of coaching experience have a lot of ultimate experience and um, know that there is a coach already there are other captains but also wanting to contribute with your knowledge and I think that Colin has done a really fantastic job in doing that you know making suggestions but not making any demands or anything like that, and he's an extra set of set of eyes that has really helped our team uh, and and especially our our defense, but you know offensively as well, because Colin has jumped over to offense and if we get broken a couple times in a row, Colin is gonna be towards the top of the list for for filling in and and supporting our offense in that way. Uh, I'm gonna ignore the shade that he gave us. A little earlier <laughs> saying we get broken the first point it may or may not be true <laughs>
0: <It> makes, <laughs> makes, makes the victories more impressive okay and you know honestly uh the offense this year has looked really good especially with the new faces and elevated roles with the, the younger guys stepping in uh but 2019 it definitely seemed like every first point <laughs> the offense to get broken but then we went like nine and three so it's i don't know what it was but shaking the rust off in those early points it's
1: true it's
2: true
1: so again being around specifically the santa barbara community there are a ton of really good players who going back 20 30 years and all the way through now that are just insane um are any were there any players that you watched play when you were younger played with played against? Or even in a grander scale, around the league, around just the club uh, stratosphere, whatever. Like, who are who are some of the people that, as you were developing as an ultimate player up to now, even that you were either inspired by, or just really impressed by, or try to model your game after any of those things?
0: Yeah, so uh, I was thinking about this question before the show, and I have. Uh, just a huge level of appreciation to basically have lucked into the community here in Santa Barbara. Uh, You mentioned the history of both programs known here and all the players in the community and those who are still around. So I'm really thankful on that because the structure goes deep. Um, To name a few, uh, (laughs) someone else who was mentioned on a previous podcast, uh, Dan Bellinger. Uh, I remember when I was a freshman (laughs) and I came out uh, fall tryouts, you know, I'm Undersized, super out of shape, but Dan has this magnetism about him and his enthusiasm for Ultimate and just life in general is unparalleled. And so he's someone who uh, was an early role model. Um, Tim Beatty, another ex aviator, uh, was a captain my freshman year, as well as Jeff Silverman. So those guys were, you know, de facto role models because of their leadership position. Um, I actually think my Throwing form, specifically flick, is kind of a blend between Tim and Dan, just like modeling after those guys in my first few years. Um, And then Jeff is like an insanely athletic person who makes plays that you can't even think are humanly possible, and so that was always amazing to watch. Um, And then going a little bit deeper in the community, Greg Husack, uh, another former aviator who was one of my coaches, and just his worth work ethic and knowledge of the game and just how he like carries himself. Uh, So many like one liners out of that guy that I took and then put (laughs) into my coaching, like for instance, focus and effort, you can boil ultimate down to just focus and effort. And I would try and drill that into my guys and they would just turn around and make fun of me for it. But like, it really is true. Um, And then someone who I play with personally, I mean, there's a lot of them, but one guy who was extremely amazing and still plays is uh, Evan Bryden who I play with on Tide and Condors. So to name a few uh, role models of mine.
2: That, I mean, you named the who's who of SB. Uh, <laughs> some, some really famous, famous people. And Greg, especially in the USA, you Hall of Fame. And I think he has helped a lot of people's careers, uh, multiple generations. And it's, it's fun too, because we still get to hang out with him and, and he's still, uh, a beast on the field <laughs> when he comes out and plays pick up or works out with us. Just like, man, if we can, if we can be a half as athletic as him when we're his age, then we're going to be doing well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I was going to say he continues to dominate.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's, he's a monster. Um, talking about Jeff and Evan specifically, Jeff, I think is possibly the only person I have ever seen who specifically on defense, when the disc is in the air, genuinely believes that it is his disc to get and pulls it off almost every single time. Like there is a different fire that has to exist in a person to have that, you know, put in that effort on defense. And it is in Jeff 100% of the time in a way that I don't think I've ever seen in anybody else. So, love Jeff. And then Evan. I, too, have had the honor of playing with Evan. And I don't know how many more people I've had who are just so, like, inwardly confident about what they're doing. And just have that come out on the field without, like, drawing a ton of attention to himself. like... Every now and then, he'll you know a word or phrase or something will come out, <laughs> and you'll be like, "Dang, he uh, really thinks a lot of himself." But it was worth it because he would show out, and being on the field with Evan was insanely awesome. So, yeah, definitely appreciate you naming
2: those guys. Yeah. S- so, Colin, tell us uh, you've you've experienced. Uh, a lot of stuff on the field tell us tell us a good story. We want we want to be entertained. We want the fans to be entertained by by one of your and if you have a couple then and they're and they're quick, then we don't mind that either.
0: <laughs> sure. yeah, so uh, I'm gonna tell one that it's not gonna be quick. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> basically, uh, yeah, I was thinking about this one too, and every ultimate player has like the weird, Travel story where the flight is delayed or canceled, or you get into the hotel at like 3 a.m. or whatever. Um, this is not one of those. So, 2010, I mentioned that Tide qualified for nationals. We were in Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, the Burning Skirts, the UCSB women's team, also qualified for nationals. That was back when they were just destroying everybody uh, with. Kayla Helton now, and uh, Carolyn Finney, and Marie Medeiros, and just, I mean, you could name, like, ten players on that team, all of whom would have been, like, the best player on many women's college teams, so shout out Burning Skirts, this was back when they were, like, the freaking dynasty, Um, but anyway, we're in Fort Collins, both teams qualify, it's like Sunday night, we're flying out Monday morning, Uh, somehow the men's and women's teams are staying in different hotels, so a large group of us hike from our hotel to the women's hotel it's probably like a mile away or something and if you imagine like a triangle we had to like go down one street and then make a left and go down another street and we got to their hotel right so we get to the women's hotel and celebrate the qualifying both teams a couple hours pass a group of us decide to leave and This was after um, a few libations Uh, We are all having a great time Um, One of us, not myself, but I will not name this person uh, Instead of taking the (laughs) same route back that we took to get there So the two legs of the triangle He decided to take the hypotenuse Because, you know, the shortest (laughs) uh, way between two points is a straight line Um, Indeed (laughs) Which by the look of it, it was just like a grassy field, right? So it was two roads and a grassy field between the women's hotel and the men's hotel. So this guy goes off on his hypotenuse. He's walking by himself, and we're walking down the same street. And you know, we, he's like walking off and walking off. And suddenly, we just lose sight of him. He's just gone. <clears throat> and so we're like, oh, I wonder what happened <laughs> to that guy. Um, <laughs> so we turn the corner, and now we're walking back to our hotel, and uh, our teammate that guy comes out of the bushes covered head to toe in mud and grass and a bunch of other stuff (laughs) Um, and he like joins up with our group uh, and then we eventually make it back to our hotel and so we asked him what happened and so his version goes a little bit like this Uh, he was walking on that straight line to get to the hotel and The like grass around him kept getting like taller and taller. And so now he's kind of like fighting through this grass. And then all of a sudden he takes a step into nothingness, just blackness. And so he falls face first into just a body of water. And he starts like swimming because he's like disoriented. He doesn't know what just happened. Don't forget about the libations. And so basically he's trying to like (laughs) swim himself to safety because he doesn't know what just happened. Eventually he notices he's in like 18 inches of water. So he stands up. Um, (laughs) Then he walks out of uh, the other side of this like drainage ditch basically of what it was. But he had to like drag himself up on the other side. He's getting all muddy and grassy. Fight through some more tall grass and eventually meets up with us, right? And then we get back to the hotel and he just goes fully closed, shoes and all straight into the hot tub
2: <laughs> to try oh, and get boy. all what? of the mud
0: and grass off. Um, oh. And so that's, that's my story uh, of a teammate.
2: <laughs> I am so curious about who this teammate is because I definitely know who they are and maybe <laughs> off the air, I'm going to have to bribe Colin to to tell me who it is, but that I could just I could just picture this in my mind. Oh my gosh, that's classic.
0: Great story. And actually, I got one more. I'm mm. one more quick one. Uh, so my Let's do first it. time uh, going to Vegas, my freshman year, Trouble in Vegas. Uh, I was on the B team at that time. This was February 2009. And uh, Trouble in Vegas, for those who have gone, always has horrendous weather. So. The first day, it was extremely windy. The second day, it was extremely rainy. And the third day, it was extremely muddy, right? That's what happens when it rains. And as Frisbee teams are wont to do, we shove like eight guys into a hotel room. That last day, we're all covered in mud from playing. We go back to the hotel room. Everyone's showering off, and we clogged the bathtub in the shower. And so, by the time you get to uh, like the eighth guy trying to shower, he's uh, has like a puddle of like muddy water at the bottom of the oh, shower. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Thank you, Trouble in Vegas. <laughs>
1: oh man, there, the most aptly named tournament. That yes,
2: yes. There is some. There is definitely some poor weather there. That also reminds me of that. That one year we went to Kaimana, and it was just crazy stormy and there's a ton of the fields were just mud and one of the players was trying to run had their cleats sucked off their feet <laughs> because the mud was so crazy I'd never seen anything like that so I, I bet as we do
0: for the sport
2: <laughs> I know I, I bet we could ask a ton of ultimate players their craziest rainy mud story and they would have one right off the bat <laughs> we i forgot what year it was
1: i think it was 09 that we you know went to trouble in vegas and our there's one of the only years we had enough people for an a and b team or an x and y team so we go as an a and b team terrible weather we all play like early in the day we had one house that we were Airbnb or whatever for the whole team And we find out that we have to go back later in the day and play another game and we had to play each other. (laughs) That the the schedule worked out, that we went all the way to Vegas so our A and B team had to play against each other. (laughs) So the that's so a, the a, a team, TD
0: that's, mistake right there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the A team is like, "Well, the B team's just going to forfeit to us, so we all don't have to deal with it. It's fine." And the B team is like, "No, we're not. We are playing this game." So we had to go all <laughs> the way back out to the field. The A team is heated that we are in this situation and that we have to play the B team, and the B team is hyped cuz they get to take us on knowing that we're upset, and it turned out to be a really good game like it was really entertaining (laughs) which it shouldn't have been it was a team versus b team but it was super entertaining and we still were very upset at the circumstances (laughs) so anyway you can ask almost any ultimate player about their college experience at vegas and have a good story come up because that's just what happened in in the 2007 to 2014 ish years
0: you know that actually happened recently uh, a few years ago I want to say like two years ago or three years ago, the ASU A-team played the ASU B-team at Trouble in Vegas and the conditions were nuts and the B-team won. The (laughs) B-team beat their program's A-team at Trouble in Vegas. Imagine the post-game of
2: that. That, Yeah, that would be tough.
1: (laughs) Unfortunate. Definitely. Well, you have managed to survive your college years despite what number <laughs> of libations you and your friends may have had. And so <laughs> you, you do other things besides Ultimate. So, what, what did you get your degree in? What are you doing now that, that supports your ability to, to go travel around the country throwing frisbees?
0: Yeah. Uh, so, I got two degrees at UCSB uh, a degree in English and a degree in history. Um, I stayed five years, uh, fifth year solely to play Frisbee, because you have five years of eligibility, of course. Um, But I did justify by picking up that second degree, uh, neither of which really have anything to do with my current employment. Uh, I mean, the humanities, they teach you how to effectively communicate, which is super important. Uh, And actually, I do do that in my everyday job, which is uh, I'm a customer success manager for a tech company called Snapwire. And Snapwire is a marketplace between freelance photographers and businesses. So, for instance, if you are a Google and you want to have photos of Santa Barbara, you can use Snapwire to locate a photographer in that area that is vetted and given the requirements of the project. The photographer will go out and take the photos Submit to Snapwire. Snapwire will make sure they meet the requirements, and then turn them over to Google. And so my job is, I have a portfolio of clients that I basically manage all their projects.
2: Wow, that's really, really cool. Actually, I
1: had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> this is why I like this podcast. I don't know what any of my teammates do. No, I do.
2: <laughs> it's really cool because you're 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 taking people that you know, do this for a living, obviously, but our small time, they're not particularly well known necessarily. And this allows them another outlet to to make more money and continue their creative projects. They probably have lots of other side projects as well. So that's it is cool. A, I respect it's a really that.
0: cool idea and a, like symbiotic relationship because yeah, we're not only supporting the businesses, but we are supporting the photographers, right? We are bringing work to the photographers. Obviously, they have to deliver right like they can't just not provide the quality that we expect but we are bringing them work and uh, they in turn are bringing us work and supporting our business so it is really cool
2: yeah have you have you had any particular projects that you thought were incredible you just saw the photos and you're just like dang this is this is amazing
0: yeah There. it's a it is very creative and photographers continually surprise me. but one that comes to mind, uh, it was a uh, alcohol brand, but they were doing uh, trying to think how much I can divulge on this podcast. But basically, <laughs> they were doing like more like an old timey um, shoot. So it was like a 1800s in like a bar type atmosphere. And so the photographer went and sourced a model that could fit the time frame. Had them all dressed up in a suit from the era. Took all these shots with like the alcohol on the side, but the guys like smoking cigars or like playing poker and just being like a you know general like consummate man about town in this bar. But from that time frame and with the lighting and the editing, and it was all moody because that fit the brand's uh, guidelines. It just came out like really cool.
2: That's that's fascinating. And you and you can work remotely so have you have you felt like during this last year and a half especially the ultimate work-life balance has been going pretty well
0: definitely yeah uh, it's super thankful the ultimate is back I really missed it um, during the pandemic uh, but because of the remote work because it is a tech company I actually have done a good amount of traveling weirdly enough throughout the pandemic like I went to New Hampshire and Boston, and worked a few days over there. I've been to Orlando and worked there. Uh, took a trip up to Yellowstone and back, where we actually weren't working. But I've been to the Bay Area a few times. Uh, so, yeah, if you have internet and a laptop, you can basically work anywhere. So that's been pretty nice.
2: Yeah, that's that's so awesome. I'm I'm jealous of all the people that can kind of pick up and do that for a week or two if they if they really want to. You can't you can't direct your band from a thousand miles away. <laughs> to your, well, I I I could have during Zoom for a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely won't be able to do that this next year. Well, that's the hope anyway. I don't really want to do that <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, for sure. All right, so Colin, you mentioned starting out your ADL. Uh, career and just you know specifically the fans and what that felt like and what it felt like to be on the field and get your first goal and all those things was there a moment that was like wow this is the pros this is you know like uh, we were referring to it as a like welcome to the AUDL moment because by that point you'd already been in a few big games you talked about being at nationals and stuff but was there like being on the field with or against somebody or something that like got said on a broadcast or just like anything. Did you have a very specific welcome to the ADL moment at all?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a few come to mind, uh, all from that first game. So we're playing the growlers, uh, scoring the first goal was amazing. Uh, basically what happened was it, it was a D point because I played a lot of D in 2019 and, uh, other team turns it we have the disc we're working it eventually we get to the end zone uh bacon has the frisbee and uh in like classic like growlers fashion they kind of like swarm the disc right so it's like pretty like quick stall count right so on the end zone bacon's got like three guys in his face i kind of like creep to the back and he throws one of those like patented like bacon blades where it's just, like, straight vertical. (laughs) And so it goes up and down, and I caught it, and then I just freak out because it's like a break in an away stadium. Uh, So that was really cool. And then that was, like, first goal. You know, there it is. Um, Second, welcome to the AUDL moment, which isn't as uh, sexy. (laughs) There was another point uh, further on in the game. And, again, on D-line, they turned it. Uh, There was, like, a foul or something where I went to, like, pick up the disc – and you know in club when there's a turn on the field you just pick up the disc tap it and go and this is something that I've always like drilled into my teams as a coach like don't let the defense set just like pick up and go and so that's what I did basically like I got the disc and uh, I picked like ground checked and toss it up field and then it's like whistle 10 yards back you got to wait for the play to start again <laughs> and it was really funny because uh you know now teammate sam fontaine was guarding me at that point he's like wait you didn't read the rules and i was like i actually did read the rules front to back and i still did that <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the like last moment is just like seeing yourself on stream is pretty cool like after the fact uh, i think one of my main motivations in playing uh, beyond like just my love of the sport is I want to set an example for the guys that I coach. And so to be able to like, know that you have people at home watching you who look up to you and uh, are supporting you in that way, who you have supported uh, means a lot.
2: Yeah. And I think that the streams have been getting better and better and better. And, having DraftKings game of the week on Fridays and then the AUDLs game Game of the week on, on Saturdays and being able to feature a lot of teams that most people wouldn't be able to see, AUDL.tv, all of these things have increased the visibility of the sport and social media. And it is it is really cool. Uh, last, last week we talked to Blitz and he had that great block and just being able to see that over and over highlighted and of course we've had many other aviators featured but it is it is awesome to have that and besides you know the media and all that kind of stuff is is this year have any particular special meaning to you to be an aviator you think
0: Yeah so the pandemic and just like the halt of the world and ultimate through that um it was sad obviously (laughs) it's an understatement but like such a big part of my life was ultimate through playing and coaching and then it basically was all just like taken away overnight and so I have a lot of gratitude to be able to play again um, and I try to focus on that gratitude I mean you guys know and have talked about how our season hasn't exactly gone as we had hoped and I definitely get like caught up in the moment and frustrated and my competitive nature always comes out, but I had to take a step back and to be able to see that I can play frisbee with people who I care about against high level opposition, not wearing a mask, which is really nice. Um, I'm just really appreciative to be able to do that again.
2: Mm. It's really cool. Really great perspective. And I think we're all in the same boat. Very thankful to be able to play and we still have a lot of games left. I think That's something we've also discussed. We can win a lot of games. And I think that's what we're going to get into next is a little bit of a game preview of Austin the second time and last time we get to play them. But this time they have to travel to us. So do you have any particular thoughts looking forward to this game and maybe some adjustments that we need to make or anything like that.
0: Sure. Yeah. So uh <clears throat> Austin's an interesting team. Uh they have only one at home. They've lost their road games. Uh they have two against Dallas in Dallas this weekend, so that'll be interesting to see. They beat them earlier this season. Uh <laughs> but you know Dallas wants some revenge for that. Uh both those Texas teams, but specifically Austin, they have a ton of talent Uh, super athletic, but I think they're not very patient. I think they're a little bit uh, gunslingers, right, because they are so athletic. And our last game, as frustrating as it was to lose, we made some second-half adjustments that led to a number of breaks. That third quarter that we played against them in Austin, we won the quarter by a large margin because of those adjustments. And so if we take those adjustments from that game, put it onto this game, and play just a more patient, Style of ultimate than what we're expecting of them. Um, I expect us to have a lot of success. And that on top of like who knows how they're going to travel, right? They went to Seattle in San Jose and lost um, in not close games. So I think the stars are definitely aligning for us.
2: Yeah. And I think that we really want to have a lot of people there on the 17th it would be huge for us to get a good home crowd. I know that when we played in Austin, they had a a fantastic crowd and and when I see highlight videos and recaps, they always um they always represent well in terms of the fan base and I think that's one reason why they play well as they feed off of that energy and I think if we have a a big crowd cheering for us, that might take them out of the game a little bit. So uh yeah, Jake Remind the people when the game is.
1: Because I, I always nail this part.
2: Yeah. Well, we Saturday, got
1: Saturday, July 17th, 6 p.m., L.A. Southwest College. Be there. Again, <laughs> if you can't for whatever reason, you can't be there in person, AUDL TV, get that subscription, and that helps out the league, helps out our team, and it helps you – get a piece of the action so we are really looking forward um again to that opportunity we kind of alluded to it a bit last week with with blitz on the podcast and talking about you know there's a little bit of emotion going into this game a couple of us may or may not have had some good twitter interactions with one or two of the soul players based on our last game um so you know it's just it's fun To build up some tension going into a game like that. So there's just that little added bonus for us to, to want to play better, to want to step up and back up some of, you know, the talk that we've put out there a little bit. We, we definitely could have gone further, but we, you know, we got some smart captains who suggested that maybe we, you know, focus on our on field stuff a little (laughs) bit more than our off field stuff. That's why we have captains. Um, so yeah, no, we're, I'm really excited to see. Uh, how that plays out and what we what we can do uh, to get a little revenge.
2: Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you weren't at the on the Texas trip. True. Uh, on the away games, and so the only Texas team that you've played is Dallas this year, and and we're hoping to get you for that game in Austin, so you can we can set a couple double teams, like we talked about that first double team is very very high percentage so often (laughs) very very high percentage so so i mean heck i would love to get a break right off the right off the bat you know first few points set that double team who's gonna mess with jake no one they're just gonna get (laughs) stuffed and then we're gonna score but do you have any other thoughts defensively that or i mean just overall jake about that
1: I just think that it's really cool to see how far the league has come. And Blitz was kind of talking about that a little bit last week. Just in, it's not just the same go out there, run this basic offense, run this basic defense, go. Like, this is a legitimate professional league where somebody has some innovation and then you have to react to it. And, it goes back and forth. We have seen so many different-looking defenses, and now the offense has to adjust and do something different, and there's the cycle that goes back and forth. So as great as, you know, as successful as that double-team defense can be, I went back and watched some of our Dallas game again and, you know, was paying attention to, okay, Dallas is this very, very good, talented team that makes adjustments and saw a couple adjustments they made. And it's like, okay, so based on what we want our double team to look like and seeing how a team can beat it, how do we adjust to not get beat in that same way so that we're still effective. And so, you know, as we kind of move people around and put people in different spots and try to take up certain parts of the field, you know, specifically I'm involved with the double team, not so much our two, four, one defense or, or our Wednesday defense and how we clog up lanes and stuff, but um, it's just really fun to see things evolve and to watch teams react differently and have to react back to that. Um, I think that's just such a hallmark for what it means to be a professional athlete, a professional team, having the mindset of this is a constantly like organic changing mechanism. That we have to be on our toes at all moments, ready to change something. So it's just really fun to see that we have gotten to that point, and it's only going to keep moving in that direction.
2: Well said, very well said. And this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast, and we haven't been able to do it for a couple of weeks. But what are our score predictions for this game? (laughs) And also, if you, the the league usually has a players to watch. A preview for the for the games that are supposed to happen the weekend so I would like us to have a players to watch for maybe one or two people who you think are gonna are gonna really have a good game but yeah Colin what do you think scores
0: yeah uh, 22 20 aviators we're flipping the score from what happened in Austin
1: I was like that sounds familiar I like it
2: <laughs> I like it and, and what about players to watch. You have anyone who you think is going to have a great game?
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah, I have uh I have one for both teams actually. So, first off, uh Marcel on our team. He's going to be back and healthy. Uh he was involved in that controversial play the last time. Uh before that, he was crushing that game. Like I I think he had like at least 3 goals and 3 assists and I might be forgetting some. Like he they didn't have an answer for him. And in addition to that, he was making a ton of layout grabs. Uh, so I expect to be a big game out of Marcel. Uh, not only is he healthy again after what happened, but you know, he's going to want it. Um, and on their team, uh, Elliot Moore, number 21, that guy has been blowing up all year for them. Uh, he had a great game against us, uh, partly because some of our teammates didn't run through some discs, but, but still that guy <laughs> plays with relentless energy. And so, uh, I would imagine he's going to have a strong game for them.
2: I like those choices. Okay, well, Jake. What about you? What's a what's a score prediction?
1: So the AADL had a post about Austin winning. Austin beat Dallas last time they played. That no? I the, forget the something happened. Or no, who did I forgot? They, they, what the they last played
0: the Cascades. Game, they played the Cascades yeah, at home,
1: and so somebody made it a point to comment that like Austin might be the only team in the league or maybe the team in our division that has scored at least 23 goals. I think 22 goals in every game they've played. So I'm inclined, you know, you could go either way. You could say, well, they continue that and we win 24, 22 or 26, 23, something like that. Or you could say, well, reverting to the norm and we're going to win like 23, 18. Either way, I, I'm gonna give us like an over under four and a half point spread that's what I'm going with so maybe not an exact score but if I were setting a betting line I would say four and a half point is a is my wow. margin of victory
0: aggressive <laughs> confident I'll, I should uh, say uh, um... confident <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it we're gonna crush them it won't yeah if I think that if we had continued our trend we are on a on a role in that third quarter like Colin talked about if we had continued on that trend it would it would have been a four to five point victory and so I, I don't see us making as many mistakes and we will have really fresh legs which will be great it's not the second game of a back-to-back in Texas weather so um but Jake and the player and yeah, the player yeah, I'm players looking to watch for in that game for us
1: I'm going to shout out Brandon Van Dusen, somebody who hasn't gotten a ton of playing time. He's really only available for our home games, and he's still to this point only played like five or six points a game. But he got most of those points near the end of the game against Dallas, and in a limited five points, believe he had two assists and a block, his block coming on a sky of Gabe Hernandez. And, you know, right on our sideline, we all got super hype. So – It really feels like he's shown out when he's been on the field and that more playing time is on his way. And it's great because he can go in on O or D and contribute instantly. So I'm really excited to see him get more in the 10 to 12 point range and do some cool stuff.
2: I like that. Very, very good choices. And I'm going to go really quickly. Our score is going to be 21 to 18. I do think that we're going to win. I don't know if we're going to win by more than four and a half. I would love that. <laughs> I, and I and I definitely don't doubt that it could happen. But I think it will be a pretty good game, pretty close, where our defense is going to hold them to less than 20 goals. And I think our offense um, is going to play really well, as well as we're going to be getting breaks. So 21 to 18. And my pick is Sammy P, Sam Plasman. <laughs> Let's go. I think that he has been a sleeping giant and plays great defense. Hasn't had a signature Sammy P. Huge layout block. He had a really good catch, a layout catch, to help us secure yep. the game against San Diego. But we haven't seen that that big layout block yet. And I'm calling it. I'm calling it. He's going to have... One of those, it's going to fire everyone up, um, and again, our defense is going to crush. So, I, d- I don't know about Austin, but I think if Joe Sefton plays, I think he's going to play really well. He's a wily veteran, played for Sockeye for many years. He's just solid. He's he's gonna he's gonna play well. So it's yeah, his
1: name's time. been said a lot, and he's been on a couple highlight videos already this year. So definitely, that makes definitely.
2: Sense. So. Um, yeah, well, that's the game preview. And again, 17th, Saturday, six o'clock, LA Southwest. It's going to be fantastic entertainment. Get out there early. We're going to try to hang out with the crowd. I'm going to try to convince ownership to be throwing out some more discs and swag into the audience. Yes. So, Yes. Free
0: t-shirts that'll bring them. Definitely. (laughs) I know we
2: need more of it. We need more of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to get that going, but Colin, thank you so much for being on the pod and it was great to learn more about you and in your ultimate career. And it's been a pleasure to be your teammate all these years and very excited to keep it going for the rest of the season.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It was really awesome being here. And you know, like I said, i I'm grateful to play with both of you this year. It's great. And I do agree with you too. We got a lot more victories to come.
1: Let's go. All right. Until next week. Thank you for listening on the Aviators Airwaves. We'll see you.